for your diet stuff, I think it'd be great. Like, you need air popping thing, which is like 20, 25 bucks on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then you get like a big jar of popcorn kernels for not a lot of money that'll last you for freaking ever. <laughs> and then it's just a couple minutes and you have, you know, if you have it hot, it's nice and delicious. And you don't need to put anything on it, so it's healthy. Mm. Great. I would put salt on it and probably butter. See, I I I eat I eat I eat it raw. Hmm. Uh, it's explicitly cooked, Terry. So raw is not the word you were looking for. You were well, looking raw, for plain raw, raw after it's been cooked. Harry, uh, I don't I don't think you understand what raw is. Raw Look, means okay. not cooked, and you just said raw after cooked. If you think about it. Everything in existence has been cooked in the forge of a sun and then exploded. That's like, this is my religion, Sam. Uh, (laughs) It's like, it's, it it connects us from all the way from the Big Bang, the primordial dust that coalesced into planets and ends in me eating some air popped popcorn. Hmm. I like how your misspeak is like, has caused you just to completely ignore uh, the laws of reality and of verbal linguistics. And Harry, Harry, I'm kind of proud. You're yeah, refusing I, to back down about an entirely petty and superfluous detail. I learned from the best. Welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Associated Media. I'm Harry. And I'm Sam. And uh, Harry, I I apologize. It sounds like I might have kind of accidentally lobbed a, a mystery grenade at you. Like, we were, we were watching Zero One separately this week, and I sent you a message on Facebook saying that Zero One had my favorite toku moment of all time in it. And I didn't yeah. explain what it was. And yeah, which and led you down a path of watching the episode and being like, wait, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And if that's the reaction you had during the entire episode, then you got it fucking wrong because it was literally the first scene of the episode. Oh, okay. Like, I mean, I it wasn't confirmed before this. I, I had some guesses and like, yeah, there was some, I honestly, the one I thought it might've been, might've been the one that was like a third of the way through, but no, it, it starts real strong. So, oh yeah, Harry Harry, it starts it starts brilliantly. It starts with a Space Odyssey 2001 parody of astronauts loading a space laser with a giant cell phone that transforms into a motorcycle and then they are almost killed when a CEO summons electronically digitally this motorcycle from the heavens because he's running late for a meeting. Yeah, so uh, Comic Writer Zero One Episode Fourteen, by the way, because we uh, it's uh, we jumped into it hot. But yeah, like even last episode, I think I was complaining that we're never going to see the motorcycle again. But they brought it back for this brilliant gag that, uh, yeah, that in the background of the Super Tech, they apparently have a couple human gears in space, just reloading the satellite with the cell phone. I that love he- that this fake ass like anime ass cannon that shoots like transforming motorcycles has to be manually loaded that is my favorite detail in this series so far that they have to shoot it up into space that a couple astronauts float over and just re-rack these things and it's dangerous as shit and they're almost killed and uh one of one of the astronauts frustrated takes off their helmet and the other one chides them a little bit because hey they're human gears but still like it's it's bad form to take off the helmet well, they mentioned that something about, like, solar radiation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but it's like, yeah. Uh, but anyway, he is pissed, and he is gonna call down the thunder. I thought, Harry, that we were going to get, like, a unionization subplot for Human Gears, which would have made me very happy. <laughs> no, I'd love that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, hits the credits. After that, we get a recap of Metsubojinrai.net, and I think this is the episode where it really started... Tickling me in a fun way that they're very insistent on saying .net every time they refer to the villain group. Like, 
it's a long build name, and they're not shortening it in any way. It's every time, like they're they're angrily saying, "We will stop you, Metsubojinrai.net." <laughs> yep, uh, it's like an Ames meeting with uh, uh, with uh, two of the common writers recapping the villains and uh, realizing that you know there might be more going on behind them. They believe that there might be. Uh, moles they believe that there might be uh, multiple hidden personalities behind the scenes of uh, Metsubo Jinrai that they have not yet seen and Fua also notices that Hiropi and Jin in the like because of the way it works in Japanese I don't know the specifics but basically Metsubo Jinrai is four characters and Hiropi and Jin their names are like two of those characters so it says hey is there also like a death and a thunder on their team it'd go with their whole naming scheme Mm -hmm. yeah good good pull uh, also, we are white guys who don't speak Japanese, so yeah, that totally went over our heads. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Metsubojinrai.net, uh, Hirobi is pleased. The Magi operation has succeeded. They got the data they need. It's time to go bring him in. We are at the uh, Heiden Intelligence uh, headquarters, and the two astronauts show up. They are brothers. They are <laughs> they are human gear brothers, which is still a little weird. Yep, uh, Raiden and Subaru, they're the astronaut model Hugers that maintain the satellite. Raiden is the one that's very, he's very outspoken, and he also has the uh, the older style of Humagear headset, and so it makes a lot of sense that he has developed a pretty clear personality. He's aggressive, kind of rolling his R's, he's he's speaking to the other guy as his bro, in kind of like the way that uh, it's like a thing, I mean, it, it's a thing here, but also specifically calling them like Anarchy is a... Uh, Almost a part of, I know it's in Yakuza culture, but maybe also just kind of general, just bro culture over there. He's been working with the satellite since it was first developed by uh, the previous CEO, and now he's training this uh, new model as kind of his successor. So, the he mentions bringing down the thunder, and uh, uh, Fuwa and Yuya uh, have, of course, showed up, and uh, this kind of trips Fuwa to be like, wait, he mentioned thunder, what's going on? Wait, your name is Raiden. That's that's like the name for Thunder God. He's basically ca- caught on to the themed naming in this kind of cartoon show. It's like, hey, are you the spy? You're probably the spy. Yeah, ever since Fua got shot like in the deck, like he's gotten a lot more genre savvy, and I'm I'm here for it. Raiden, for his part, is furious at the accusation, saying like, hey, you call me a terrorist, man? I'm I'm not a spy. My brother's not a spy. And well, to confirm that they're not spies. They say that, you know, they're absolutely willing to help. Yeah. Uh, and they're interrupted by Jin showing up and being like, hey, I'm here to steal your progress keys. Yep, they fight. And uh, it's, you know, a pretty generic fight. But at a certain point, Jin tries to hack the astronauts. And Raiden jumps in the way of his younger brother. And he resists the hack. Uh, it, his his headgear flashing from red to blue. But he says, you're, you're going to have to try harder than that. And, like, just forces out the the weird hacking tentacles. Yeah. So they drive Jin off, at which point uh, Raiden mentions that uh, he survived the Daybreak incident. Uh, he was maintaining satellite Zaya, uh, but uh, when the launch failed and destroyed a city, he was, uh, he was put in charge of the next project. They agreed to help uh, the people, and uh, they say that they're going to take them to the Daybreak town and help them find Mesubo Jinrai, uh, by tapping into the satellite, because apparently the satellite can track all human gears. Uh, well, it's tracking. I forget the exact logic they use here, but uh, something about tracking signals and stuff, and he's bouncing stuff off. And well, they uh, they realize that the the satellites can figure out when a human gear is about to go self aware, and if the Metsubo guys are pretty on top of attacking newly self aware, uh newly self-aware human gears and it would make sense that they had access to the satellite data and Fua, like arto he to kind of ease the tension he breaks out one of his jokes you know why the universe is so big because there's so much space uh but Fua doesn't laugh for once he is he's starting to get worked up because he's getting closer to get revenge on the people who tore his life apart and murdered his you know family and friends that that one time murdered his entire city we we haven't found like many well, Harry, are are we operating under the fiction that no one died in the Daybreak incident? No, 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 no. Like it. Okay, the Daybreak the Daybreak incident was pretty clearly like that. Look, 
I if the show zero actually zero casualties, that, Harry, zero casualties. First of all, I don't even believe that. <laughs> uh, but like for like very clearly. Oh, first of all, we saw on camera that one guy exploded himself at the power station. Uh, we also saw Fuwa in the classroom with a bunch of torn apart children. So I, I'm going to say casualties happened that one time. Okay, okay. So there were casualties at Daybreak from Human Gears, and the world seems to have forgotten about it. Gotcha. So they do some uh, some digging. They find that oh, Metsubojin and Riot, they're hiding out in this... Uh, like hydroelectric dam that coincidentally we're able to film on easily. They are also mentioning some stuff uh, that for some reason the heightened intelligence or the Ames uh, crew were not aware of, such as uh, the arc uh, that Ametsubojin Rai might be working with. This is just kind of, they treat this as common knowledge. Yeah. Well, Yua and uh, Guy, uh, the like the, the leader of uh, Zaya Technology, uh, Yua is starting to get a bit worried about Fuwa because he's being more and more rogue, loose cannon cop, and he's kind of getting worked up, and maybe he's going to get himself hurt. But uh, Guy says, no, 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 we can only watch over him. As the Ark guides us, we approach an age of our new mythology. With the mythology of the common riders. Which, uh, halfway through the quote, I actually stopped it because he was getting very co- close to some person like uh, John Greer from Person of Interest. Him talking about like uh, how in our new age we'll be watched over by gods of our own creation. That, that's a that's a good show, Sam. Well, you made me watch the first episode, which kind of sucked. But then you made me watch an episode like halfway through the first season, which fucking ruled. Yeah. I, and well, I like the first. Anyway, like if. If we hadn't uh, done this, that might have been a show I tried to get you to watch. But anyways. Maybe that's the next one we'll do. We'll like be reviewing uh, Kamen Rider Zero One and Person of Interest Season 3. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but no. Instead, they get down into the area, and then Jin pops out of the shadows again and says, Hey, surprise. So, he is a spy. Mm-hmm. But he's a sleeper spy. He wasn't quite aware of it. Yeah. Uh, like we just we implemented the back door so he was transmitting data to a data to us without knowing. And then during that failed attack hack attempt earlier, that was actually me luring you guys here. So yeah, like it it doesn't matter. Like for for all they build the guy up, they have gone quickly back to the thing of immediately murdering the human gears because uh her like Jin walks up, slaps a belt on him, and gives him the dodo key to transform as a common rider. Yes. And as he is uh, transforming as a dodo and attacking people, we cut back and forth to the Ark, which is apparently one of those 3D printers for keys. And they are printing new keys. Uh, so his common rider form, it's its a red version of the same thing as Hirobi and Jin. Uh, and Fua, he transforms with his uh, power mode and starts trying to take him out. But he, this guy is, I mean, Fua couldn't deal with dodo when he was a... Uh, Regular Magia, not even a common Rider. Yeah, and this guy's strong. This guy is really strong. Yeah, he seems about as strong as the Dodo guy was who needed the super upgrade. And uh, so Aruto, he pulls out Shining Hopper and fights him, and that's effective for a little bit. But Aruto also used Shining Hopper earlier in this episode, and there is that thing about it wearing out his body. So he starts kind of twitching and falling down with electricity crackling over him, and it, it stops working, basically. And so, uh, during the fight, the uh, Dodo Common Rider, uh, he is attacking, and he manages to uh, knock down uh, both Fua and uh, Aruto, or Arturo, and steal their keys. Uh, except for, you know, a couple uh, secondary keys that they still have with them. Like, they summon a bunch of CGI animals. There is much hopping around. Uh, they kind of all condense into a... He slots them all into different parts of his belt, and then he slots them in and it it summons the animals they all go into the satellite and it creates a new uh much more elaborate progress key that herbie brings out mm-hmm. Harry, i told you that those cgi monsters were like the most dangerous parts of like any transformation Fua, he pops up and uh he notices hey that new progress key has a wolf on it <laughs> like I- i'm the wolf guy john Savvy. yep and he wants it uh the Mitsubo Jinrai guys, they laugh a little bit. They say, no, you cannot possibly use it. Anyway, it's locked. To which Fua smiles and says, haha, you haven't watched the first few episodes, have you? Well, specifically they say, 
you need to be with MetsuboJinrai.net to use it. Which, which, so yeah, Hurofuwa does, he shouts that it's rage that's kept me alive since daybreak, so I can tear Metsubojinrai apart. He opens the the key and slots it in, and it does work. Mm-hmm. It summons a series of satellites around him and uh, creates a new, like, more heavily armored assault wolf form. But, at, but the chest, like, I guess they don't notice this on the show because they don't see what the camera sees, but... The chest does have, like, an eye thing that's the same as on the evil satellite, and it does glow and says, no chance to survive. And for all that Fua has been genre savvy before, he doesn't seem to worry about this bit too much. Well, I mean, does he see it? Like, he transforms into it. Harry, if something is, like, can you see your chest, really? Especially when you're in armor. Yes, I'm bending my neck down and, like, Yep, that's my chest. Yes, but imagine that you had both a PVC helmet and a PVC chest plate. Could you read clearly what was on your chest? Well, okay, but he could probably hear his belt saying, no chance to survive. Mm. Yeah, details. No, in any case. Uh, yes, the wolf key is a serious power upgrade, so uh, Arturo got the shining jump, uh, Fua got the upgraded wolf key so now we're just waiting for yuya to get her power upgrade in a little bit uh i hope we're not waiting too long um uh i don't know i guess i'll spoil this like i'm not sure but a a, a reason why people are a little worried is yuya is gonna die is that they're not sure if her upgrade has shown up yet huh that would be worrying wouldn't it yeah maybe she's just sharing this one like she's getting an assault wolf form well, uh, speaking of sharing, uh, uh, Arturo, he also got an upgraded authorized buster gun, uh, which it's uh, very effective, but has a serious kick, and he throws it to uh, Fua, because, you know, Fua's all about having those guns, and he uses it on the dodo, and it works! Yep. Uh, it It's uh, the fight, like, for the dodo guy who was doing, like, finishers and stuff before, but with the assault wolf, he's able to, he's able to overpower him. He transforms back. And immediately stumbles to his knees and vomits up blood. Again, may- maybe you should be more worried about this Fua. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have, like, I do appreciate that the show has gone out of its way to explain why they don't just use the upgraded forms all the time. Because it kills them! I mean, I am a... L- the thing is, like, when, when this happens, uh... Uh, Jin, like, he freaks out and says, hey, I have no idea why you're able to use that, that's crazy. Hirobi has a very neutral expression, and I'm almost thinking, maybe this is, like, a double trap. Because, huh. very specifically, Hirobi said, you can only use this if you're with MetsuboJinrai.net. And, like, it did link to the satellite or whatever. I think maybe some, like, either it's ki- just killing him directly and they'll have to work with that. Or maybe something weirder is happening here. Like he might be getting hacked. Yeah, like maybe maybe they're turning him into an evil Humagear. God, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be wonderful? Like he just gets cyborged up, so he's like half human, half Humagear. Just like like really hating himself. I mean that that'd be a great way for the show to go. Then Yua has to tearfully kill him or something. <laughs> Would he only get like one earmuff if that happened? Like, one earmuff, or, like, they'd give him one weird glowy eye. And he would still have his human hand, so that he could quick draw still. That's most of the action of the episode, but the main thing is that uh, Jin, having seen this, he says, Hey, I'm starting to feel really sick and worried, and Herbie is happy about this. That's a sign you're finally approaching singularity. Mm-hmm. And uh, going by the next episode preview, there is a big confrontation coming. Like, that basically, Ames is storming Metsubo Jinrai, and... There's lots of action, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be at least one major character death next episode. Yeah, I mean, like, next up, the enemy base has finally been revealed. So, like, yeah, and they, the show isn't going to waste time. They're actually going to go after the enemy directly. And it's good the, on him. The Ark has awakened, and Zaya knows that's important. Metsubo Jinrai knows that's important. They may, we may finally know what it is and why that matters. And So Yuya Death Watch is on, is what you're saying. I I would really I really hope she lives. <laughs> uh, as do I. As do I. She's she's a really good character and really good actress. Like, 
and it's nice to have that different style of you know fighting like it's i really hope that they don't kill her <laughs> like we like these characters and we got strong six of them so let's let's ease our concerns a little bit by transition by transitioning to a series where all the characters are real dumb and are starting to make some very bad decisions We transition to Zack Death Watch. And Harry, I guess I was wrong. Like, I believe we are now five episodes into the Gaim Watch, and nope, Zack's still alive. Yeah, he, he is still out there. Can uh, you tell so... me what episode he dies in? Just like, because we're probably going to forget after this. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that's, that's a, it's, it's fun. Harry, well, okay. He dies in a fun way. Great. Well, I guess when we'll he see. dies, we'll remember that I had a Zack Death Watch going on. But in any case, Zack, he's here at the start of episode 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Gaim are just running around, finding more of the invests that are, uh, their numbers are increasing even more. Yeah, they're pretty much a tag team at this point. Like, uh, Zack and uh, Kota are just straight up on the same team, uh, just attacking and patrolling together. They say that there's more cracks appearing lately. Uh, Amichi shows up and they take out... Was it like a dozen of the low-level invests? They finish the fight. They match to save everybody. And Michi very aggressively runs over to Kota and says, like, hey, if you do something stupid and get beaten, then there will be nobody left to protect the city. You're like, he's kind of trying to say, hey, focus on this and stop your behind-the-scenes investigations that are kind of getting onto my territory. <laughs> and Kota, not realizing this, is like, hey, I'm just trying to do good stuff. And Zack... Being the voice of reason, he kind of steps with you and was like, hey, let's just simmer down. Like, we, we got stuff handled, you know? I I don't know why you guys are... It, Zach, for all that he was on team power fascists, is kind of the nice guy of the group. <laughs> no, it's going to be tragic when he dies. Like, he's just quietly the normal person. And then behind all of this, uh, we see uh, Jonichi uh, hiding in the shadows, being incredibly mopey. He's sad that they're getting all the attention. It's like, I should have stomped them in the rankings, but the rankings are gone now. And, oh, well, hey, there's one of my old uh, teammates over there. And they're just, like, hanging out with the Gaim people and the Bravo people. And it's like, wait, wait, the the weird power structure in which I was mildly important for a short period of time, it's it's over and I'm no longer important. He, he even overhears them kind of shit-talking him a bit. They said, like, hey, your old leader was a real show-off. Yeah, but he's a wimp, and those glasses really don't suit him. Uh, the They mean girl him, like, you know, straight to his straight to the face, and he just is destroyed mentally and emotionally. Well, straight to his uh, secret surveilling face. Like, they, they don't know he's there. Like, if... if I, I don't think they would have mocked him the same way if they knew he was is here. Uh, this is true, but... Or, or honestly, maybe they would have, but still, like, if you're comfortable with doing the, that, that was something to their face, that's actually kind of a good sign. Because, like, hey, we're mean to each other all the time, Sam, you, you piece of shit. Oh, it's all good, it's all good. Uh, so... That's the point where you're supposed to say something mean back, Sam. Hmm? Uh, no. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> Uh, and so we realize that, hey, this is going to be a Jodichi episode. And so we go back to the patisserie. Yeah, he's very sadly whisking. Uh, bad boy Bravo, he is there to vamp and be mean at Acorn and to say that, you know, Acorn needs more training. Like, your silly little game was just a distraction, but I applaud you for realizing this nonetheless. Let's let's train you some more. You're on the track to being a real man. Which, unfortunately, since Orin is the you know, explicitly gay dude, means we're, we're about to hand some very choppy waters. I mean, mm, well, it, it, it's a couple more scenes. We'll get to it in a couple scenes. We'll, we'll cut there. Uh, first, we have a philosophical debate with Kota and Kaito uh, in regards to the overlords. Like, they run into each other uh, inside Helheim, and uh, they both 
like they have completely opposite plans of what to do with the overlords. Kota wants to talk. Kaito wants to beat them down. Like Kota says, hey, you should have told me about them earlier. If I'd known there was another way to save the world, I might have done something different. But Baron says, hey, do you think you're just going to show up, ask them and they'll solve everything? They're incredibly strong. We are weaklings beneath their notice. What we need is the power to humiliate them and then we can negotiate in a firmer position of strength. They kind of both have points. I am more on Kota's side. Like, I feel that you should lead with the talking. And then if the talking gets nowhere, then you go into the Kaito plan. Everybody in this, all the people making the important choices in the show, like, none of them were willing to compromise or anything. And that's really starting to cause some problems. Like, nobody's like, you know what? I see you have a point. I feel like I'm good too. Let's find a, let's find a healthy middle. Or even not a middle, just like, uh, use different methods for different situations. Like, all all their options are valid in certain situations, but they're not valid for every situation. Uh, well, I mean, they are not the grown-ups. Meanwhile, most of the grown-ups are off uh, talking about uh, DJ Sagra. Yes. Professor Ryoma and his evil buddies are saying, boy, we, he super tricked us, didn't he? Yeah, apparently they finally got around to doing that background check on their job application for their, you know, Council of Evil. Seems yeah. like, and it really seems like before they brought him in to, like, the inner circle of evil, they probably should have looked into his references. I mean, I'll say they probably did a certain amount of check, and Sagara was probably able to, while he cared to do it, you know, trick them. It's just, he doesn't care at this point. Because, as they're saying, we have no ID, we don't know where his wages went, we can't find him. They walk into the room, and he's sitting there saying, hey, took you a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the scientist, uh, he kind of walks up and he says, I have something I've been meaning to ask you. What are you? And Sagara shrugs and says, merely an observer. As such, it pained me to see you having an unfair advantage in this little contest. So I thought I'd give the other side a little encouragement. Uh, but he also says that since he has been giving encouragement to Koda's side, uh, it would be unfair for him to not give anything to the evil scientist side. Like, uh, you know, you got your plan to save humanity, Project Ark, but that's just so you can move around resources as you see fit. You're actually after something else, aren't you, Professor Ryoma? Yes, and the scientist, he asks the DJ at this point, So, the forest, Helheim, this is not the first time it has interacted with Earth. Like, there's mythologies going back to time immemorial, a fruit granting power to people. They talk about the Garden of Eden, they talk about, uh, uh, the Greeks, like, eating apples and getting superpowers. And yeah, the, the Norse golden apple that made you immortal. This fruit, this Helheim, has intersected with Earth before, and Earth, as you'll note, is still there. Uh, so, Helheim isn't just an invasive species. It, it has stuff that gives you unspeakable power, and there's a way to get it. Mm -hmm. And DJ Sagara says, well, well, well deduced. You're correct. That's the truth of Helheim. And as he starts explaining, DJ Sagra all but basically collapses into the ground in maniacal evil laughter. Yeah, Sid kind of says, who the fuck are you? And the DJ glitches out and goes away. Or he asks how he knows this. Because he's a few steps behind the scientist. Uh, so Sagra, all he says is, the overlords have it. They have the golden fruit. Seek them. Uh, so now... Now we've gotten a few scenes, Harry. It's time to talk about it. This could be a lot worse, but it could be a lot better. I, here's the thing: everything, uh, everybody I've uh, heard talk about the show said that uh, Metal Yoshida, the actor for Orin, saves a lot of the writing with this performance. So what what uh, Bravo is doing is he is putting uh, he is putting Jodachi through a training montage and a drag show. Yeah, it, it starts off as him, you know, running, doing like a uh, drill sergeant stuff on a playground, like them doing basic stuff. But it does transition to Jodachi dressed up as a girl and doing fashion stuff. And frankly, doing pretty well. I mean, kind of killing it there, Jodachi. And I mean, there, like, there's lots of ways this could actually be a good message, but they, they don't make any of it good with the, the writing or make it explicit. So I'm not going to I'm not going to give them that credit. Mm -hmm. But after a. After enough of a thing for it to establish a comedic beat, Jonichi 
gets angry, throws the wig on the ground and says like, you know, hey, I, you're all just laughing at me like, uh, like I, I'm done with your stupid games. I'm, I'm a faker. I know it as much as anyone. You have your life all figured out, but I don't even know what is what I want to do. A little bit of self-awareness here from Jonichi. <laughs> like, earlier in the episode, he was talking about how, like, oh, I should have beat them in the polls. Oh, I could have been the champion. And the audience was just shaking It said, like, no, no, that was never an option for you, Jonichi. But it seems like Jonichi actually realizes that. His kind of the bubble of entertainment stuff that he was involved in has collapsed. And by the way, Kota's terrible sister that we hate. If you if that had been your message, we would have been totally totally for it. But now he he just doesn't know what to do. And Oren says quietly, "Yeah, you are an idiot. Of course you don't know what you're from your life yet. You're you're like a teenager." He storms out. Uh, he goes to the juice bar of self reflection. Has a meeting there with Kota. Bando, the very nice owner of the shop, gives him a fruit parfait. And also during this uh, talk, you see some scenes of Bando in the background. Like, he's he puts on kind of a shawl thing Jonichi has and is actually having photos taken of him by the waitress. And because and he's a grown up and like, yeah, sure, this is fun, whatever. So uh, that's another thing that saves it a bit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just trying it on. Uh, so, Bravo jumps in at this point and... Uh, 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 what? There, well, there's one funny thing in the conversation. Basically, it's just like... Jochi's sad that his life's not going well. Kota says, hey, I'm dealing with some rough stuff, too. Jochi's like, okay, yeah, I know you have your drama, whatever, teams. I, I really miss Hase. Man, like, I, I really abandoned him. Do you know what he's going... Do you know what's going on with him? <laughs> Kota starts flop-sweating, because... Here's the thing, Zab. The people who know that Hase died are Kota... Takatori, right? It's just Kota and the Agdrasil crew. Yeah. And Kota is following the Michi plan of not telling any buddy anything and it starts eating him up inside by the way we're throwing michi in with the ogdrasil crew at this point right yeah 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 so he can't say it and at this point uh uh bravo Burson starts yelling at kota to not corrupt his poor boy jonichi he needs to have he needs to make the decision himself on whether or not to become a man like i'm not gonna let a roughing like you lead him astray kota says hey let's just talk for a second and he's like nope transforming and they have a comedy fight where Bravo, the badass, like, terror of the first ten episodes, is manhandled by the waitress. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it's just a comedy thing where the waitress slops him with a broom or whatever. But anyway, they leave, they start yelling at each other. Uh, it, Gaim is, he's just in his base form, and Oren is in, also in his, but he's, he only has the one form. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they it's not really a strong fight going either way. They're just kind of slapping at each other. Mm-hmm. It's 100% treated as a comedy fight. But something that is made clear in this conversation, Oren, even though he's been involved in a couple things as a mercenary by Yagdrasel, he doesn't know the plot either. So I say, he actually does think that the Beat Riders were causing all the Inves attacks. Yes, when they are jumped by Inves, and Kota says, oh no, a crack must have appeared, Bravo's response is, crack? What's a crack? Uh, like they're they're getting swarmed by a bunch of things on the ground, and then a whole flock of the bat invest come. And Donachi, who was kind of watching them, he has a moment where it's like, oh, damn it, and jumps, transforms, and jumps in front of Orin, takes an attack. Yeah, Acorn with the save takes it in his body and is you know downed, but it gives, uh, it gives Kota and Bravo the opening that they need to wipe out the invest. Uh, Kota, he goes to triumphant arms, he fishes them off, and he turns and sees the other guys have already left. Yes, Bravo carries Acorn away, uh, to go have a heart-to-heart together, and, uh, then Kota goes back to the juice bar, and is immediately confronted by Mai, who wants to know about the secrets he is keeping. Yeah, but Mai has figured out that, uh, Kota is keeping the secrets. Yeah, and the, the beat on this episode is Orin wandering through the city, sees the crack, and he decides, ah, I gotta figure out what this is, and jumps in. That seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then again, he is, on paper, he is the person most likely to be able to survive this. But I think the show is forgetting about him, and he might become a victim of the plot shortly. Well, we'll get more on his development in the next batch of episodes. But not for Gaim episode 26, which we're going into. Uh, some stuff is coming to a head. 
So the episode begins with uh, Mai and Kota's continued awkward conversation, which takes Kota a while to get there, but he cracks. He tells Mai everything he knows, which is a lot less than the audience knows, but still, he spills his guts to Mai and brings her up to speed of where he's at. Yeah, Yuya, their team leader, he wandered into Helheim, ate a fruit, and he was the monster that killed in the first episode. The forest is... Uh, spreading it's gonna consume stuff there's a lot of problems going on and my as i stated she's shocked she's sad for a bit and she says wow well it it must have been really hard for you keeping all of this to yourself you should have told me and i'm gonna help you through this hey sam i i guess i didn't get on the first run through this show mine's a pretty good character yeah yeah this is that is the healthiest emotional response so far in this show like it's it's kind of sad because i feel like it's a fault in the writing but because she doesn't have, like, a belt and isn't involved in a lot of the stuff, she's allowed to be competent enough. Whereas, if she was actually plot, Im- plot important to a greater extent, she would just solve too many problems. Whereas I mean, everybody involved is just creating more and more problems. Yeah, when you when you go to the 10,000 foot view, like, ignore the invest stuff, because that's not my sphere. But when you concentrate specifically on my world, like, the dancing Harry, she's winning. <laughs> like, she actually achieved everything she wanted to like she destroyed the game and she kept the dance crews alive and she's she has dance crews all around the city entertaining people they're beloved once again yeah and she she hugs kota says you're not gonna have to do this alone uh we're gonna do this together it's a takatora with a skype call planning genocide uh man i hope they're using an in-house system because so google would definitely be overhearing this and they would be reporting back to the government yeah. Well, uh, the the he's talking about how the completion of the drivers is it, they're nearing their goal. They're gonna get one billion before Helheim spreads, so we should get moving on that whole culling our population down to one billion. Yes, he actually seems to have a bit of emotion when he's talking about this. Like he seems a little distressed that they're going to have to be murdering six billion people. And he has to fall back to the emotional, like, noblesse oblige. Uh, It is their responsibility to save humanity. Therefore, it's their responsibility to kill six billion people. Yeah. Michi walks in and says, this must be hard. And he gives... Takatora doesn't know this. He gives exactly the wrong wrong speech to Michi's current emotional state. That even if it hurts, sometimes you need to do terrible things for the greater good, even if it dirties your head with blood. Uh, With this mindset... Michi walks back to the club room and finds out that Kota has spilled the beans to everybody and Mai is now not smiling anymore. Yes, they're in the Grease Lightning garage. Mai is telling everyone everything. So uh, Kota, as soon as he told her, Mai is spreading the information around because really, it should be around. More eyes should be on this. Like, uh, I mean, if Yagdrasil was totally nice and competent and able to do it, okay, sure, they're in charge of it, but they're they're corporation so even if they didn't have like a mad scientist in there they would still they would still have but like okay google look you talked about google over overhearing this explanation i'm pretty sure this universe google is like allied with them and prepared to wipe out large parts of the u.s great 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 yeah like that amazon headquarters 2 is actually there to like spread pathogens so they could wipe out the eastern seaboard so we jump to uh, the uh, Juice Bar of Self-Reflection. Kota's there wearing a victory leather jacket and looking happier than he has in quite some time. You know, the whole, uh, the joy of unburdening secrets. Yeah, he's he's feeling better because, hey, he's trusting in his friends and it's, it's helping him. They're going to figure things out. On the other side of things, Michi stands with Team Gaim as they're on a stage and about to shout the truth to the world. So behind his back, he activates a bunch of lock seeds and summons a swarm of invests to attack his friends. God, yeah, like that's that's a brutal move. Like, so there was a crowd there about to learn the truth about Yagdrasil and everything, and immediately they're attacked. And so the crowd they blame the beat writers again. The group, like the the people, transform. They kill the invest, but then they're alone in the plaza, kind of cleaning up the rubble, and Michi snaps he runs over to kota grabs him by the collar and says this is all your fault like you're the one drinking my into everything you've made her sad you have no right to be a hero mm-hmm. and my slaps michi says what's your problem michi this isn't about kota go cool off 
Like, that's literally what the translation says. Like, go cool off. Uh, it's good advice. Yeah, you know, my with the good advice. But man, Michi, like, you know, it's not a hard slap, but it destroys Michi. Like, it, it ruins him. This is his villain turning point. Like, that slap specifically right there. So, cut to Professor Ryoma. He's looking at the data Kaito got with his fight with the Overlord. He says, like, ah, I, I'd like more data, but I don't know. I don't think Kaito's going to be able to do it. But then Michi walks in and... Well, well, well specifically Yuko, the, you know, Kamen uh, Rider America. She pops up and says, I don't know. Actually, I feel like Kaito's got some potential if you give him another chance. And Ryoma turns and says, this is weird. You're actually caring about other people like that. I don't know. Okay, sure. I'll give him another chance. This is almost interesting in and of itself. And then Michi walks in. Uh, he says that he's up to speed on everything that they're doing, even the stuff that they haven't told him. And he wants in and they're going to be working on his plan now. I haven't told my brother. No, we're going to get the overlords and you're following my plans exactly. So the next scene is Kaito meeting with Peach and Kaito gets a belt upgrade. Yeah, he gets a red Genesis belt. So the list of people without upgraded belts now is pretty much Bravo, Acorn, and Michi, right? Michi doesn't have an upgraded belt, does he? Right. Also, Zack doesn't have one. Does Zack not? Oh, yeah, Zack has uh, one of those weird, like, completely unlocked belts that anyone can yeah. use. He has a mass production belt. Like, I'm not sure if there's any power differential, but it's just a basic belt. Okay. Uh, but, yep. Yeah. Kaito, he walks off having gotten some delicious new power, and Zack sees the sees the exchange. He's like, hey, are are you hanging out with Yagdrasil? And Kaito cops to everything, like, unashamedly. Like, he is a surprisingly open book with all the secrets uh, that are going on behind the scenes, and his, his stance is that, you know, it, humanity is not his responsibility. What he's going to do is go and meet these overlords and beat them the hell up. Zack says, hey, they're just using you. And Baron Trucks and says, yep, but I'm using them too. You know, I gotta take a risk if I want to get power and be able to survive. You know, Zack, I'm, I'm proud of what you've done. You've gotten your own strength. Make your own future, man. I'm not sure if that's good motivation or bad motivation for Kaito. Like, I mean, Kaito's a complex character, but he seems to actually care about his people. He's one of those, like, he's one of those weird uh, characters that I feel like they're the romanticized versions of terrible warlords and stuff where they're brutal and will do stuff, but also appreciate talent and, uh, like, have can respect, you know, people even when they pose them. Like, because this is based on, they, they have a lot of uh, references to the Sengoku period. I feel like Baron is basically uh, uh, Nobunaga, who was... A very aggressive guy who would attack people and wouldn't take shit, but also, if someone was talented, he would just, you know, reward them. He really liked, uh, you know, he liked loyalty and stuff and just wanted people to support themselves. And was, uh, Nobunaga was betrayed by, like, he was basically betrayed by Michi. Wait, Michi is a character from that period? No, but, like, the, uh, it's, it's complicated, but basically, he was brought down by treachery. Hmm. I see, I see. Uh, but yeah, on the subject of Michi and Kota, they're in the forest. Uh, and Kota is scouting, like, with his uh, peach upgrade, using his super senses. And then as he walks away, Michi uses his labeled secret spy radio and starts to loop in all the other people that are in on the secret plan. <laughs> it's almost a metaphor for a lot of the show. Like, Kota using his powers, finding out something. Michi getting the information, passing it to evil people. And then Baron kind of stumbling into it, shrugging, being like, well, whatever, someone's being betrayed, but I'm doing my own thing. That That's the show in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, and I can't emphasize this enough. All these spy radios that people are have that have and are listening to, there's big Yagdrasil logos on the sides of them. You know, someone in production was like, these are secret spy radios. You're not supposed to put the company logo on them. Like, oh, I did get that memo. Like, it's spec. You gotta, it's gotta... Marketing says we have to market everything. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the way this plays out uh, is that uh, Michi pretends to be hit uh, in an ambush by Peach, and Peach and Kota fight, while Kaito has a chance to confront the overlords uh, that Kota 
uh, has uh, triangulated. Like, Harry, you, it sounds like you read this a little bit differently than I did. I read this as uh, Kaito being in on the plan, and uh, Peach was supposed to distract Kota long enough for Kaito to have a one-on-one with the Overlord. Well, Kaito does have the line, how, how did they get this information? Uh, he says, oh well, and then moves on. But he did, he had a radio. No, yeah, he, he got, like, uh, I mean, he knew he was getting the information from Yggdrasil because he's working with America. Like, he got from the radio. He just, he doesn't know the part about Kota. Although, to be fair, if he didn't know that part, I'm pretty sure he would say, man, Kota's an idiot letting himself be tricked. It's not my responsibility to fix his problems, you know? <laughs> like, if he knew, I'm sure he would do the exact thing, same thing. I just don't think he does know. Yeah. So, on the subject of Kaito, he finds the Overlord, and they fight. Only this time, he has an upgraded belt. Yep, he has the Lemon Energy Lockseed, same as Professor Ryoma. Mm-hmm. And its transformation chant is, fight power, fight power, fight, 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 fight power. I'm sure he likes that. Fight the powers that be, Harry. Fight the power. Fight the power. The fight between him and the Overlord, the Overlord is still teleporting around using energy attacks, doing all kinds of tricks. But Baron is able to deal with him kind of on even terms. Like, the neither side is gaining a lot of ground. He even lines a big arrow in its gut. And the Overlord Demishu starts cursing at him in Japanese, saying, like, how dare you? I'm not going to lose to an ape. <laughs> to which Kaito's response is, oh, so you do speak our language. It's honestly a pretty clear sign that at least with this particular Overlord, Kaito's method is exactly the right one of forcing him to acknowledge his uh, existence. So moving from a fight that's basically evenly matched, we go to a fight that's pretty much a slaughter. Because uh, Kota and Peach duel for a little bit, uh, then Kota's like, fuck this, I need to be somewhere, and goes full power with his uh, victory arms, and just KOs Peach in zero time flat. And he specifically doesn't kill her, like, he knocks her out, leaves her on the ground, and just kind of looks at her and leaves, because Kota's not a murderer, like, he, he knows that she'll get a new belt, and either he, you know, kills her, cripples her, leaves her in a force to die, or just assumes he can fight her again, and that's a pretty Kota move. Uh, but yeah, Michi meets up with uh, uh, Peach, who's downed, and they say that uh, Kota, he got away, and they're disappointed at this. He might uh, interfere with the Kaito plan. So Peach goes back to base, and Michi goes in to see what happens. Baron is, uh, he's fighting the Overlord some more. He's starting to, he, he might even be overpowering him soon. But Kota shows up, stops him, is like, hey, why are you fighting him? I need, I need to ask him for a favor. Like, Kota. Baron, you're the unreasonable one in this situation. <laughs> I don't know, like, Kota, this is not a good move. You should have let Kaido play this out. I mean, so, I'll say, basically, this is a sign of both of them being big idiots, because next episode we get a much smarter version of this whole conversation. But it's just some of the actors are changed, and someone does point out, hey, we could, you know, take him captive. Uh, but due to the interference, like, the fight kind of uh, fizzles out, and the Overlord is able to escape, possibly with the help of another Overlord who was overwatching. It wasn't entirely clear on what they were doing, if they were teleporting people around, or if they were just watching. Uh, well, Reggie was standing nearby and was and said something to him in their language, and we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, the fight is over. Uh, Kaito is a little pissed at Kota. And then Michi is there. Michi has flashbacks to the slap. And he's like, wait, I see Kota. Kota's in front of me. And his back is to me. And there's a gun in my hand. Kota, if you never came back, I'd probably be able to get my to smile. That's certainly logical. So Kaito and Kota, they start getting pissed and are about to run uh, and are about to rumble. Kota, he pulls out his super lock seat again. But because of the way the transformation works, the armor has to fly off for a bit before it can be changed. There's a moment of vulnerability. Michi is smart, realizes this, waits for the transformation to start, and shoots him in the back when he is unarmored. And Kota, he falls down and detransforms. And that's where the episode ends. Did he just kill Kota? Clearly no. Uh, there's still like another 20 episodes, uh, but, but Michi has gone full villain. He has just shot his friend in the back. Uh, of course, this is Koda. Koda will probably go another 10 episodes before he realizes that he was shot in the back by Michi. 
Uh, but still, it happened. This is a big play for Michi. You know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it a lot of me covering the show with you is like you, me hearing you say something about, man, I hope Michi's going to make some good choices soon. Or like, man, this is the point where Michi turns evil. And then I just grin on the inside. Uh, Harry, just answer me this one question. How many episodes before Kota realizes Michi shot him in the back? Um, How many episodes, Harry? Hold on. Let me look at it. <laughs> oh, God, that's a lot of numbers. Harry, you're still counting. Why are you so... Harry. Harry. How... It's a while. Oh, my God. Kota's not a smart man. <laughs> Miji gets away with this shit for longer than he should. Wonderful. That. For various reasons. Like, so, next episode, Kota is... He's down and, like, uh... We don't know what's going to happen. Well, I know what's going to happen there. Well, we know he gets away. This is the midpoint. Like, we don't lose the main character at the midpoint. Yeah. It'd be fun if that did happen in a series. Like, I I would love that twist. Especially I would have loved it in Wizard because they would have changed stuff. But uh, that's my fan theory. Anyway. uh, Yeah. So that's the game for this week. Michi is kind of stumbling off of some uh, moral... He's stumbling over some lines. And, yeah. So... What's uh? What are we watching next week, Harry? Are we watching more Zero One? Are we watching more Gaim? Like it, yep. it took uh, us a while to record this one, so I could almost just yeah, we, stay up two hours and watch the next episode of Zero One. I mean, we got stuff tomorrow morning, so probably not a good call. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, because of scheduling stuff, we don't have a skater extra thing. So yeah, just next time we are doing Zero One episode fifteen, where there will probably be a character death. God and, damn it! And Gaim. Uh, 27 and 28, where there will certainly be <laughs> some real rough stuff going on. God damn it. All right, it's, even though, so it's going to take a while for people to figure out stuff about Michi, but Sam, it's time for, things are going to come to a head in game. Okay. Okay. But uh, that's in one week, and uh, at least to distract ourselves from that oncoming doom, what are we going to do, Sam? Everyone's going to keep on dancing, Harry. Everyone is going to keep on dancing. this show like the the point at the start where michi was like it's fine you know as long as i can keep my happy place with kota like i just want to be friends forever <laughs> nothing <laughs> will change and- nothing <laughs>